yeah, I mean, look, we're, uh, I woke up this morning, I'm fired up. I've been, I've been watching Fixer Upper all morning um, <laughs> as I was doing my work. That's how you aim up for these? Yes. Uh, and so, you know, I feel, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I feel like Brent, Brent and I, you're like the, we're like the Chip and Joanna of podcasts, right? <laughs> um, luckily, you're the pretty one and the smart one. <laughs> And uh, I'm the one that'll do anything on a dare, right? So we, it's a, it's, it's a formula for success. And um, I'm excited to start the day. And I cannot wait to talk about this because uh, we're learning. And, you know, we've been singing all morning. We got, already got our title ready. Uh, we won't we're oh, yeah. give it away. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, by the time they're listening to this, they already know the title. But uh, I'm just, I'm fully excited. Let's do this, man. Absolutely. Well, cool. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this this today. Um, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Hot Owl. My name is Brent Piotti, and with me we've got... Brian Carpenter. Good morning, sir. And uh, as, as Brian alluded to, we spent uh, a good majority this morning singing to each other uh, and, and getting some, some old songs back in memory. So as the podcast comes out, you'll see in the title, I think... Uh, we think it's pretty clever. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what other folks think, but uh, we're going to have fun. So today, the goal of the show is to educate you, the listener, on blockchain, what it is, who's using it, how people are using it, and and why. And and hopefully by the end of this, uh, you'll you'll realize that blockchain is is really more than just Bitcoin. So with us today, we have none other than John Bass, the Founder and CEO of Hashed Health. John, good morning. Hey, guys. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, uh, you know, I did some some digging on you on the Internet, and I, I think I pretty much know you as well as you do at this point. <laughs> uh, but give us a little bit, bit of a background about what you're doing today and uh, what led you there. Sure. Um, so I was uh, fortunate to um, graduated from the University of Chapel Hill uh, in the mid-90s. Uh, it tells you a bit about my age. But um, it was a time when kind of the, you know, the, the internet dot-com stuff was exploding and um, went to work for Vanderbilt Medical Center and quickly got a job with a startup, which was a B2B platform uh, in healthcare. And so for the first time, our, our business was trying to get providers and um suppliers in the healthcare world who traditionally didn't work well together, didn't um, share data very well, you know, kind of use data to leverage each other mostly, um, to start using the internet and data to improve business processes in a way that created a kind of a shared value on each side of the table. And that was really kind of the time pretty revolutionary, as, as kind of a lot of you guys know. And, uh, and, and so, um, that startup was called ImpactHealth.com. Uh, we uh, survived the the bubble and the uh, con- consolidation that happened over the next few years, and um, were acquired by a company called Metabuy, and then a, merged with a company called Global Healthcare Exchange. And now um, GHX is used by I think around 80% of the providers in the country. So it, it turned into a, a great big healthcare B2B marketplace. And that experience really kind of got into my DNA around using technology and data to help constituents in healthcare work together uh, more effectively in a way that um, shares value um, for the constituents and also the patients. Um, I left uh, left GHX after about nine years to start another company called uh, Invivolink. Um, helped uh, help kind of start that company with a couple other guys. 
And um, the, um, the goal there was to create a care management platform for orthopedic and spine patients. And so, again, at the time, it was pretty uh, revolutionary. It was the, the concept there was to take surgeons and medical device manufacturers and hospitals and post-acute providers and have them all share in a common workflow and a common performance management system and a common patient engagement platform. And this was about eight years ago. And um, it was really, really hard to sell because you can imagine people love the concept. They thought it was the right thing to do. But they're like, how in the world do we pay for that? How do we buy that? Um, and then bundled payments came along. And all of a sudden, there was a marketplace for what we had built. And um, uh, we um, ended up selling that company at HCA about two years ago. Um, but again, it was this concept of of using a shared operating system to bring together all of these constituents, in this case across an episode of care, that traditionally hadn't trusted each other, hadn't worked well together, hadn't shared data or workflows. But it made all the sense in the world for them to do that. And um, the healthcare system has now caught up with that in the form of bundled payment programs, and now there's a market for that. Um, right around the time we got acquired by HCA, <clears throat> I started falling in love with the with blockchain and distributed ledger technologies. I'd followed Bitcoin for a while, um, and then I saw <clears throat> around 2013 or so, 2014, what the financial services and fintech industry were looking at doing in terms of using the the fundamental blockchain technology behind Bitcoin to streamline business processes in the financial services and fintech world. And because of my background in healthcare and because of that experience of trying to get constituents to work well together to share an operating system, it, it really made sense to me. And I immediately began thinking about um, interesting use cases that leverage the blockchain technology to clean up um, complex works, workflows that are kind of these high friction workflows in healthcare. So revenue cycle, supply chain, um, pharma value chain, medical records, these are all these kind of legacy, um, really uh, heavy administrative, um, wasteful areas in healthcare that have complex or costly or ineffective, inefficient workflows that exist today. And so... Um, I think, you know, my professional experience kind of got into my DNA through the early OOs around the internet stuff and then that that concept of kind of shared operating systems and then all of a sudden there's this blockchain um, and you see Bitcoin, you're able to move currency without a bank. Well, that cryptocurrency is just data. So what other types of data or assets could we move in a similar way? And that's what really led me to the use cases that we're exploring now at Hashed Health. So back in, uh, back in we sold uh, NVivalink to HCA about two years ago. And then I, um, about six months or so ago, I left HCA to start Hashed. And as I, as I kind of thought about what I was going to do, I, I, I felt like I had to take advantage of this moment in time because I feel like it's truly kind of a once-in-a-generation opportunity to Technology is so important to me that I said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go do this." But what do I do? Do I go all in on a specific use case, or do I um, 
or do I form a consortium where I can work collaboratively with a lot of different companies to, to basically um, do a lot of different POCs on different technologies and really help to organize and mature the market in that way. And so to me, as I really looked at the where the market was in healthcare, where the level of education was in healthcare, it, it just made, it was very clear that uh, we needed an organizing force that was out there educating and helping companies uh, develop strategy and then help them put together proofs of concept, use cases that are strategically important to them. And so that's what really led to Hashed and the, the consortium concept. Okay, cool. So uh, what I find is fascinating, and, and with all of our guests, they have diverse backgrounds in terms of education or careers. Um, you're a Tar Heel with a Bachelor's of Chemistry. I won't hold it against you. I'm, I'm a <laughs> NC State Wolfpack guy. So Oh, I, you didn't tell me that before the show. <laughs> yeah, man. So um, – but, uh, you know, it's just interesting, right? A chemistry background, uh, I can see the correlation between, you know, uh, healthcare and that. Uh, but then it's like now you become this tech guy. And so we've had some some pretty cool guests on. But before, before you know, delving into, you know, chemistry major, were you interested in technology at all? Not really. No, I um, I was interested in being a doctor. I mean, I, okay. I was I – was, uh, I was interested in going to med school and um, I got to a point and uh, that's why I went to Vanderbilt and uh, and I was fortunate to get involved in the division of trauma there and with the plan of taking the MCATs and, and going to med school. And um, through that experience, I, I realized that a couple of things. One, I wasn't sure I had it in me to commit myself to the lifelong learning process that would be required to be a good doctor or a good surgeon. I was, I was with those guys all the time and I was amazed at, um, what they did and how they worked. And I, um, and at the same time I was getting involved with it projects and research and I've found I was pretty good at that stuff. And so being the, the, uh, the time was the mid nineties. So I, I built, you know, the Division of Trauma website and, and things like that and started getting involved in kind of smart alerts for uh, clinical systems and, and um, was fortunate to be with a group that was pretty pioneering um, at Vanderbilt Medical Center. And, um, and it being the mid-90s, I was fascinated by what was going on around me in the tech world, even in, in, in Nashville where uh, you know, this is in Silicon Valley, but there were startups going on and there was a community developing around the internet technologies. And I, I was really fortunate to be kind of in the right place at the right time and get and get swept up in that. But my brain is definitely still full of, uh, you know, polymer chemistry uh, formulas and, and things like that that are pretty much uh, wasting space these days. But I think what it did do is provided me with a, a, a nice analytical framework that I can use to approach problems in healthcare. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as you were talking about having a sort of uh, Silicon Valley in the South there, I think we should, you know, if it's not already named as such, maybe call it like the Rhinestone Valley or something like that, right? <laughs> so uh, it's just, it's probably already been said, and it's just first thing that popped into my mind. Again, you know, it's been a, it's been a chip enjoying a kind of morning. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking shiplap and rhinestones and having a great day. Um, <laughs> But you know, as you as you look at blockchain and things like that, there's there's fundamental um, there's a ton of enthusiasm. Uh, obviously, like right now, 
you can't go one day without seeing a tweet or a comment or a something about a blockchain. So do you have any like, you know, opinions on kind of the the hype curve, um, you know, the that that's really going on around it? Do you feel like it's overhyped? Do you feel like people mm. are talking about it just to make themselves relevant or is it really just that enamoring? I mean, it, what's what's going on yeah. with the kind of conversation circles? Yeah, it's it's a great question and um, you know, we are we have such a um, we're at this interesting moment in time where there's a need, there's a great hope that there's going to be some new technology or some new system out there that can help us curb the, the cost problem that we have and the clinical problem we have. I mean, the truth is we're on a path towards, you know, 20 plus percent of GDP in healthcare. You know, I think it's the, the number is we'll hit about $5 trillion in healthcare spend in the next six to 10 years. Um, that is not sustainable. It's not okay. Um, and we need solutions. And we're, what else have we got? You know, and so you've got this major problem. Um, and along comes blockchain. And, and the potential is 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 incredible um, in, a, in in so many different areas of healthcare. There's a really diverse set of potential use cases, and there's a diverse set of um, constituents who could use the blockchain to um, in, empower new types of uh, marketplaces and and empower consumers more importantly in being a part of the solution to our cost quality problems. Uh, right now, we're just not getting our money worth in terms of where we are in healthcare in the United States and globally. So I think there's real reasons why there's such hope for healthcare. You know, certainly there's a lot. There is a lot of hype. I, I don't think we're even. You haven't even seen the the top of the curve yet. I still think we've we've got a ways to go. Um, at some point um, in the next year, that hype cycle will probably crash, and then the real solutions will emerge. Um, but this is real and it's not a question of if the blockchain delivers, it's a question of when and how long it'll take. So my, my prediction is, um, the hype cycle will continue to build up and then sometime in the next year, you'll start to see the initial products come out. And that's kind of our, in 2018, mostly, I think is when you'll start to see the first real production use cases. Um, and what you'll probably see is, you know, innovation around the fringes of existing businesses that's designed to just demonstrate value, like prove that the blockchain is real and prove that people can actually create something that, that um, has iterative value over an existing tool or process. It's not going to change the world. And a lot of people will look at those initial use cases and say, hey, look, Blockchain is not what we thought it was going to be. It's, uh, it's look how disappointing this is, and and that's okay. And that hype cycle at some point during that process will probably come down a bit, and just like IoT and a lot of other systems, it will start to then emerge based on the foundational projects that have come live. So the fact that we're not changing the world in 2018 is is appropriate. Um, it will, but what we do in the next year or two will set the stage for what I think will be really disruptive and revolutionary uh, products that will come in three to five years. So, you know, we 
if we see this in kind of other circles, right? So um, from a technology perspective, it seems like a lot of things are consumerized before they're really industrialized and have big impacts on large spans. So, you know, things like uh, Flash and, th you know, and what was, you know, essentially your iPod and all of a sudden it's in everything, right? You know, it kind of started there. You see things like IoT where wearables and consumer tech was kind of the beginning. Um, and then it sort of, you know, rationalized and became everywhere and people weren't really sure if that's serious or not. Uh, but now IoT is getting really good traction in the industrial right. space where it belongs. Uh, is there is there a, a consumerized version of blockchain that you see doing something similar where it kind of makes it ubiquitous in, in a lot of places and then yeah. enterprises start to take over and really do this from a larger scale? Yeah, I, I, I believe that a lot of the really high potential use cases for blockchain are B2C or C2C, you know, you know those um, consumer-facing um, products. I think, I think, you know, my perspective is those are kind of the hard ones, though. And what I think you'll see, what we're doing and what I think most others are doing are focusing on the B2B opportunities in the short term and then are going to, you know, move towards B2C down the road. And just in healthcare, there's a lot of regulatory concerns around kind of the consumer-facing, you know, health records and things like that. Um, and just, you know, the whole adoption issue when you're talking about consumer-facing products is going to be um, challenging. Even, you know, even with wearables where they are today, I think you still have um, a ways to go. So, what I what I believe you'll see is there will be consumer facing kind of solutions. I, I think those will take a little bit more time, but those are the ones, especially you know the grandfather of all blockchain use cases is the is the medical records use case. And man, what a great opportunity to take what people have tried before. I mean, the road's littered and people who've tried to do PHR projects and medical records projects that are consumer focused. Um, but but they haven't tried it with blockchain as the foundational technology, and I think that is a has real potential to deliver value to the market and empower consumers. I mean, think about going through an episode of care right now. Um, a a patient going in for a surgery um, is asked to join their surgeon's uh, medical record platform, their patient portal, and. Maybe there's a, a vendor like in VivaLink that was using a patient portal and then the hospital is using a patient portal and then the post-acute provider is using a patient portal. And, the, and, the, and that's just one episode of care and the, their primary care physician has a patient portal. None of those patient portals talk to each other. Um, they're all siloed databases. Um, w the way it should work is the patient, just like you have a Bitcoin wallet on your phone, you should have a gateway on your device that opens and closes the door to your medical record information. And you should be the one who is the keeper of that and opening and closing the door to that and then deriving value from that or opening that data up for medical research and other things as you see fit, not as someone else sees fit. People shouldn't be deriving value from your data. That's, that's, uh, something that I think in 10 years will be behind us. And I think the blockchain is a foundational technology that allows us to make that change. But that's a use case, that's a consumer-facing use case that will take quite some time to put together. And it's going to take a lot, a lot of people 
Um, and, and so that is actually one of the things that we're interested in is making sure that that use case is driven by the appropriate kind of consumer focused um, uh, governance system and, uh, and is developed on open standards so that there's interoperability and, um, and is done kind of the right way. And so we're working with a lot of different institutions and nonprofits on, on um, those types of efforts. But so just to kind of make sure I answer your question, tremendously excited about the consumer facing um, solutions here. I just think those are going to take a little while. Doesn't mean we shouldn't start work now, but probably the more near-term uh, use cases that you'll see stand up are B2B use cases around the fringes of existing businesses as a way to demonstrate value in the shorter term. Okay, John. So <clears throat> let's let's kind of downshift a little bit here and go back to the beginning where blockchain kind of derived from and and then what its, it, its use case was. And then um, I just want to understand, like, kind of let's break it down kindergarten style, right? So all the listeners, I'll, I'll, I'm in kindergarten too, so I need some help understanding this thing. What in the world is blockchain? <laughs> well, you know, you can't really talk about blockchain without talking about Bitcoin. Um, the cool thing about Bitcoin is that for the first time, you can move a currency without a central third party. So if you have a blockchain wallet and I have a block, sorry, if you have a Bitcoin wallet and I have a Bitcoin wallet, it doesn't matter where you are, you can be next to me or you can be around the world. I can enter your, basically your key, and I can transfer currency to you without going through any kind of central third party. That is the first time that's ever been available. And it, it's, um, and you know, and, and it's the blockchain behind Bitcoin that allows that to happen. Um, it's an uncensorable transaction. Um, it, it ha- um, it, it's uh, and and it's an open system where um, there's a, a, this this um, immutable ledger that keeps track of that. And there's the blockchain is basically the 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 foundation for which that happens on a trusted. Um, uh, secure, scalable way. Um, and the trust piece is a big deal. Throughout history, there's always been a need. If we're not doing a transaction between friends, there has to be a trusted third party that's like a bank or a, some institution that's been the central trusted party that manages that transaction for us. That way we, we can trust in this third party that, that I'm not getting ripped off and you're not getting ripped off. In this case, the blockchain is the trusted third party. The software becomes the trusted third party that allows us to transact without that um, central authority being involved. So at, at a very at a high level, that's what the blockchain does for us. It becomes this software platform um, upon which two people who don't know each other, two businesses who don't know each other or trust each other can interact uh, in a safe and secure way. Um, and so in healthcare, we're, we have, we're, it's full of, of um, value chains um, and interactions where there's not a lot of trust and there are, have become these intermediaries that control that process. So the, there's 
um, the pharma value chain, where there's a lot of waste and a lot of money wrapped up in um, the uh, the revenue cycle, revenue management, contract management process. The supply chain is the same way. The med- we talked about medical records and EMRs and how um, patient portals and there's all kinds of siloed databases there. And so um, what we're looking at doing with the blockchain in healthcare and other industries is taking what used to be siloed databases, you know, um, and, and move those data structures up to what to a market level. So let me let me go back to the database real quick. So originally there were these ledgers where people would write in a book. You know, they'd write credits and debits. And then over time we developed spreadsheets where we kept them in cells and two columns, credits and debits. And that created kind of general ledger codes and those those types of things. And then we had relational relational databases, right? And so Oracle and all these big companies now are um, are these huge companies that have been based off of re- building and deploying relational databases. Those databases currently exist in a, a lot of different silos within these enterprises. What we're talking about now is moving that database to a shared layer that sits on top of a marketplace. So in healthcare, a provider and a payer, for example, are using their own databases to manage credits and debits and information regarding claims, for example. Well, a lot of those processes are shared between those two entities, and they're basically doing a lot of the same things within those databases. What if we took that process, that database, and moved it up to a shared layer that sits on top of that market? Imagine the efficiencies that we could create um, by moving it up to that layer. And so that's what the blockchain is. It's creating this distributed ledger that sits on top of a marketplace by which we can have a single source of truth across that market and then build new types of software solutions on top of that single source of truth. And that's where it gets really exciting. So we're sharing, we're sharing this, uh, this, this, I guess every time a, a block is created and uh, we're sharing that out to a, a network of our peers, right? <clears throat> what's performance like on something like that that is at a called a global scale like Bitcoin is? Uh, how do how do we handle any implications such as that? And then how do we ensure that you know time stamping or time series is accurate? Yeah. So the cryptography behind the blockchain, um, there's different consensus methods you can talk about and different ways of configuring a blockchain solution to meet the needs of the problem that you're trying to solve. Um, with Bitcoin, it's called proof of work is the consensus methodology. And um, it, it, it is by design a very energy intensive, um, slow process. And that's part of what gives Bitcoin the security and the stability um, it needs. Now, Bitcoin is honestly having some scalability issues. There's a big debate going on right now around how do we scale Bitcoin. And um, there's two different kind of camps that are evolving right now in terms of how to fix those problems. But you are starting to see in the Bitcoin world, um, you know, slow transactions, you know, a, um, a transaction that's not posting in 10 minutes, um, it's, it's, it's taking hours to post. Um, and as Bitcoin goes, gets more and more popular, there's going to need to be a solution for that. And um, 
So outside of Bitcoin, um, there are really no proven um, high through, you know, basically proven battle tested blockchains out there. Now there's Ethereum, there's all these new um, new types of blockchains that are very interesting and solve some specific problems um, like the ability to do smart contracts and the ability to have a faster, um, more efficient transaction time or less, less energy intensive or, you know, more suited towards a private network. For example, a lot of the healthcare use cases would require a lot more privacy than a Bitcoin blockchain um, would, uh, would be able to provide us. Um, so we're very interested in taking what we've learned from the Bitcoin blockchain and turning that into a kind of more enterprise appropriate platform. And there's a lot of really smart people around the world who are doing that now. Um, the enterprise Ethereum group is a great example of, uh, of an effort to take what's been done in Ethereum and make it, make it applicable and um, comfortable for the enterprise and environment. Um, but these are all fairly new projects that haven't scaled to the level that Bitcoin has. And so all of this is a little bit theoretical at this point. Um, but certainly there's a lot of hope and a lot of uh, talent and engineering going on to solve, solve those problems. So, John, it, it sounds to me like when I first started looking into or heard about blockchain, I was like, well, maybe it's a it's a protocol. But what I'm hearing is it sounds more like a methodology more than anything. There's multiple ways to approach it, um, but there are basics, um, fundamentals in the way that uh, transactions should occur. Is that, a, is that a true statement? Well, I think, you you know, you certainly have a lot of different protocol and open source technologies that are being developed and deployed. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, the right way to think about blockchain is it's not the thing, it's the thing that enables the thing. And I, there's someone who's kind of coined that term, and I can't remember who it was, to be honest with you. But it is, um, you know, in the future, you won't be thinking about blockchain, you'll be just thinking about new types of business process, new types of solutions that are enabled by blockchain technology. Um, but, you know, in a few years, blockchain will probably fade into the background and it will be representative of a bunch of different protocol level technologies and, and, um, and um, um, a lot of different open source projects. Um, so, um, so, yeah, I think, it, it, you know, it, it is it's still evolving um, and there's still a lot that we will uh, will be learning over the next few years. So you mentioned you mentioned a little bit earlier about kind of like an uncensorable transaction. So first of all, I'm curious if you can help us understand what that means. Um, but I'm also curious further. You, you know, really reminded me of kind of the security conversation around it uh, and the privacy conversation around it. There's a there's a world of like people using blockchain to essentially uh, keep themselves secret. You know, allegedly, uh, specifically around Bitcoin. Um, and, but you're saying, you know, Hey, this is a way to manage your own identity. You know, exactly who it is and things like that. Those two seem fairly dichotomous as far as, uh, that argument. So first explain the uncensorable transaction. It doesn't sound like it relates to the other thing, which is really kind of blockchain security and how people are using this to either make things very obvious or hide behind it. One or the other. Yeah. So you know, Bitcoin blockchain started out as, you know, people thought it was 
um, anonymous, but it's really it's really not. Um, you know, you can see if you go on a, a blockchain explorer, you can see the transactions that are happening on the Bitcoin blockchain in real time. And if you have the right technology, you can understand. You can kind of get into the, the the information around who those who those folks are, and so it's not a truly anonymous system. It is uncensorable, though, um, meaning you know the the fact that there's no central third party, um, no government or bank can stop that transaction from happening. Um, it's managed on kind of through a consensus model that that is done across about 10,000 nodes across the globe. And, um, and uh, once posted, it's, it's a, it's a immutable transaction. It means no one can say it didn't happen and no one can um, remove that transaction from the network. So it is, um, it, it can't be censored. It can't be undone and it can't um, be, you know, because there's no central third party, no one can stop that transaction from, from taking place. Um, now, there are new types of blockchains and new types of cryptocurrencies out there that are now being used to, uh, to solve some of these problems like, or, um, or create new versions. So there are um, new um, systems like, for example, Zcash um, and, and um, zero-knowledge proofs are a way to truly anonymize the transaction. So there are there are new tools being employed that do provide the full privacy that that Bitcoin does not provide today. Um, so that's that's an example of uh, where we're going um, and how you now have more and more tools at your disposal to um, solve for problems or solve for opportunities um, around things like identity, um, privacy, high throughput, or whatever type of kind of blockchain solution or business problem you're trying to solve. There's, there's more and more kind of blockchain solutions that allow you to solve for that. So, and you took us exactly, we appreciate it. It's almost like you're reading the show notes. You took us exactly where we were headed next. Uh, we've talked about the, the beauty of what blockchain is and the kind of things it can do. Um, but, you know, when you look at it currently, there's clearly going to be some technical roadblocks or things that people are trying to figure out and solve for as they learn more about the technology and it starts to scale. Um, you know, Bitcoin being a perfect example, right? You know, it being fractured at the moment and people having different opinions as to where it should head for its future. Um, so w blockchain in general, what are the short-term kind of roadblocks or challenges that people are currently solving for and trying to push through as we take this from cool to fully useful yeah so you know um there's a lot of different a lot of different philosophies out there and, and um first of all you, you kind of have to talk about blockchain for a second and you know people are using the term blockchain often to represent a, um, a spectrum of technologies that are evolving and depending on your philosophy and um kind of some people will say well that's not actually a blockchain that's more of a distributed ledger platform or you know but so what we're really talking about here is a spectrum of trust-based transactional systems um, that are kind of distributed across a marketplace okay um, and so um, and, and depending on who you are that you know some of the old school 
kind of hardcore Bitcoin folks um, have different beliefs in whether or whether or not those are really blockchains or whether or not they're even appropriate. But the, the, the truth is that uh, there are a lot of efforts going on right now around uh, enterprise utilization of blockchain and distributed ledger technology. And so most, uh, you know, most of the work um, is, you know, outside of kind of Bitcoin is, is focused on how to take what was proven by the Bitcoin blockchain um, and scale that to enterprise uses, whether that be in financial services and fintech or healthcare or uh, land title registries or, um, you know, music and entertainment rights, you know, ticketing. There's tons of different use cases. Um, and so when you talk about using uh, the blockchain for these enterprise use cases, um, you know, there's, depending on the business problem you're trying to solve, you would look for blockchain or distributed ledger technologies that help you um, solve for a high throughput rate, additional privacy in the transaction, um, uh, or some other, you know, some other kind of technical uh, challenge. Um, and, and so that's, you know, those are the efforts that you're seeing now. That's why, you know, enterprise Ethereum is, is, is out there. That's why IBM and has, has kind of, um, supported the fabric project and Hyperledger. Um, Intel is, is supporting kind of the Sawtooth Lake project at Hyperledger. Um, and there's, you know, a million, you know, hundreds of other companies who are engaging in their own efforts. Um, and so there's, you know, there's a growing spectrum of, uh, of technologies available that will help. And in fact, I think uh, Gartner recently reported there's now 70 different um, protocol level, I think, blockchain solutions out there for you to choose from. So and, and, you know, and they'll also tell you that just like back in the OOs, at some point in time, there will probably be a consolidation of it. Um, and so um, you've probably got that coming. It, it feels it feels a little bit similar to the the mid '90s and and early OOs in, in, in that perspective. Um, but so obviously a lot of activity, uh, a lot of interest in 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 how enterprises are going to use it, and a lot of really smart entrepreneurs and large companies who are building teams and building technologies to solve for that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I was <clears throat> looking around online. Uh, last night, and and there was a a chart basically showing how long it takes to you know do X in the financial world or in the healthcare world, and if we use uh, blockchain, we could eliminate or, or or reduce that time significantly. And 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 it was I think it was um jeez, uh, anyway it was it's chartered by someone, uh, but it was it's, it's actually pretty cool. It seemed like um, the ability to uh, increase kind of those settlements, right, of transactions, yeah. um, because everything it's a known, it's immutable, and uh, it's it, you know, it's, I guess it's searchable, it's indexable as well, right? Um, yeah, a good a good example uh, is international money transfers, um, and so that's one of the first use cases that you're seeing coming out of fintech and financial services, and it it just makes all the sense in the world. I mean, right now, if you've got a cousin in Johannesburg, you know, and you want to send money. 
you're going to go to your local bank, you know, here in Nashville and you're going to, it's going to go to New York and then it's going to go to London and then it's going to go to, you know, Johannesburg and each bank along the way is going to take a little cut and it's going to take a, you know, five days to settle. Um, the blockchain, you know, Bitcoin, if it were going through a Bitcoin blockchain, it would be immediate, but through a kind of, uh, some of the new banking systems that are being developed, it would be much, much more efficient, um, than those processes are, are today. So from a, from an overall data perspective, right, this whole blockchain itself, right, it's, it's distributed amongst all the, the users within the network, um, in some way, shape or form. And, and. I guess what I'm trying to think is if we had an exorbitant amount of folks that just dropped off off the network, right? Is there a centralized place or a couple different places where it's distributed like the entire thing? Or is the model such that it it, it is um, distributed only amongst the peers and that's it? No one has the whole entire blockchain. Well, um, the consensus models that drive the blockchain – um, uh, you know, are basically a, a cryptographic way of keeping all those blockchains in consensus, in sync. So, um, you know, the, all the nodes on that network, whether it be a private network like an enterprise Ethereum network or, a, you know, a Hyperledger Fabric product or, or some, some private network, you know, could have, you know, it's going to have a reduced number of nodes. Um, but the blockchain is, you know, the way it's designed is that um, its security and scalability principles keep those nodes in consensus. Um, you know, there are also models where certain nodes on that network do perform certain activities in certain types of blockchain solutions. But that consensus model is very, very important and kind of a central kind of core component to any blockchain. Um, and And so, you know, Certain trade-offs are being made by certain enterprise applications, especially in the early days, to you know where it's not 10,000 nodes like it is on Bitcoin. It's a private network that's that's kind of centralized to a fewer number of trusted nodes who are who trust each other. So it's almost like a a blockchain or a distributed. This is where you kind of get into the differences between a true blockchain and more of a distributed ledger or trust-based transactional network. But there are fewer nodes on that network, but those nodes are kind of behind a wall and they're all kind of trusted nodes. They're all trying to accomplish some same some goal that they all share. Um, so, you know, you can think of certain healthcare applications where that might make sense, like a supply chain maybe or a revenue cycle where it's uh, you know a, a set of providers and a, a clearinghouse and a set of, of payers, for example, or something like that. So um, so y- there you know when you have a public blockchain like Bitcoin, and if you started seeing that consolidation happening, that would be kind of a red flag. You know that would be there's something the, you know and that's part of the scalability debate that they're having. but, um, in that blockchain, that would be a real problem, um, and it would probably create a real crisis in confidence around the the security of the system and creating you know, that centralization. If it were to happen, would be um, would 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 cause a little bit of a crisis. Now, in a in a controlled private blockchain that's built for an enterprise of trading partners, 
it's less of a it's le- it would be less of a concern if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, it would it would still provide some security issues. So, for example, you know, one of the common things that people like to talk about is look, the blockchain is always on and it's less susceptible to you know hacking and those types of things because if you brought down one node on the network, you still have you know all these other nodes that are continuing to run and you just wall off that node and you keep the blockchain going. So it's, it's always on. There's no downtime. Um, you know, the fewer nodes that you have, whether that be a public or private blockchain, the fewer nodes, the more uh, that you um, would be susceptible to things like a 51% attack uh, on that network. And so certainly more nodes is better. Um, but there's context that you have to think about in terms of what kind of blockchain or what kind of distributed ledger platform it is. Absolutely. Yeah, I just want to make sure that um, I can continue using Silk Road to buy hair <laughs> dolls of Brian's beard. So um, I definitely don't want Bitcoin to go down because uh, those fuzzy little things make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. So, John, uh, we, we've talked a lot about Bitcoin and blockchain, um, but hashed health, right? You talked about this in the beginning. It's a it's a consortium of healthcare companies, right? Uh, really focused on on in, in embracing blockchain, right? As a as a as a uh, a methodology and a technology. Uh, who's part of that consortium? If you can tell us, and um, what 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 are you guys doing specifically at Hashed Health to drive this uh, this technology within healthcare? Yeah. Yeah, so we uh, we're on the kind of front end of this thing, and we um, we what we do is we are you know, we we are obviously huge believers in the potential for the tech. Our goal is to work with our partners, our consortium members, to advance the realization of the technology, and we we you know want to make sure that all of our projects are doing the right thing for consumers and patients out there. And um, ultimately trying to solve for those big macro level problems that, that we see. So uh, we feel good about the potential to do that. And so what we're trying to do now is build, um, kind of choose use cases that can prove the viability and the value of the tech. Um, you know, a lot of that is you know, in, in the blockchain world, it's not about building a product. It's also about building a network around that product. So, with, you know, if you don't have a network, it's an academic exercise. You can build blockchains all day long, but if it's not connecting a marketplace together, then, um, you know, without that network effect, you really don't have a real, um, a real solution. And so we have um, a bank of probably 15 or so different projects that we like that have been con- internally incubated. We are in the process of, we've got two of them that, we're, that are now in demo. And we've got about three others that are um, being, uh, we're developing work groups around those. So all of these um, products are basically have work groups associated with them. Um, and those work groups have their own governance structures um, and their own kind of personalities, characteristics, and goals, um, and their own technical plan and their own business plans around them. 
Um, and so I'll give you a, a couple examples and I'll, I'll talk about who the constituents are that are forming what we call these minimally viable networks that are helping move these projects from concept to commercialization. Um, th- are probably the, 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 the work group that's probably furthest along right now is um, our provider data management work group. And so currently um, health plans it's basically a, a decentralized provider directory. So currently health plans all keep their own provider directory. It's the directory that allows a physician to treat a patient and get paid for that treatment. For, for a physician to get paid for that treatment, the claim has to be processed. And for the claim to be processed, that provider directory has to be correct and up to date. And you can actually get fined by the government if it's not. Um, but there's a lot of churn in these databases. And at any one time, about 20% of that database is incorrect. So it's almost like having a Google Maps on your phone and 20% of the maps aren't right, right? So that would be a, a real pain. Um, so what we are doing, and, and right now each provider is a part of multiple health plans and each plan has their own relational database where they keep this information. So we're trying to create a decentralized um, market level database around that information where the physicians update it in one place and all the health plans can have a single source of truth. It's, it's a non-political use case. It's not like uh, one health plan will do better if they have that and the others don't. It, everyone shares a common interest. There's this ecosystem of shared value that's created if we solve this problem. And the blockchain provides this market level data structure that allows us to, uh, to do that. So that is an example of a, 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 what we call a use case or in a work group that's forming around that use case. That work group includes health plans, so big health insurers, um, we're also looking at involving um, technical partners and we're looking at involving potentially consulting companies and the workflow redesign around it. And so as we move along from concept where it is now to product and then commercialization or solution, um, that thing will mature um, appropriately. So right now, that's one, one example. There's another example around a payment solution um, for condition-based um, um, care and, and episodes of care. Uh, there's a revenue cycle product that we're looking at standing up with a hospital and a, a payer and a clearinghouse in the Northeast. Um, there is an IoT project that we're working on that's specific to track and trace, but I think it sets the stage for a lot of different types of IoT blockchain um, initiatives. And then we're beginning to work on kind of this um, social medical records and global health project as well. So, um, so those are some examples, and each one of those examples has a different kind of framework around it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. And so, uh, you know, again, in, in honor of uh, Chip and Joanna, uh, you know, Brent's been asking all these great questions, asking you about the, the bright future of it. Uh, you know, I see, you know, the, the other side of this, right? So these healthcare companies are huge uh, and they are, uh, like you said, 20% of our, uh, our, you know, our, what is our GDP or our overall spending. That's quite a significant amount. Um, and our data is very valuable to them for a lot of reasons. Some positive, you know, like uh, trending and things like that and being able to share, you know, where things are going. And obviously some are, uh, frankly, 
literally profit minded. So how, you know, how do you get these huge health cares to buy into the idea of sharing information between each other that could even be private and, you know, start to get back to this thing when they're today, you know, they're solely focused on making themselves as much money as possible. And frankly, not even necessarily getting along with each other. Yeah, no, you're, that's the, I think that's why, and that's like the, the heart of the technology is hard, but the governance and the, um, you know, the entrenched interest is a really big challenge in the industry. And, um, so that's why we look to create these kind of what we call the gateway projects, these foundational projects that, that um, have shared value. Um, it's not a really, we try to choose things that aren't super political. And if we have something that's political, we try to narrow that use case to a specific set of constituents in a specific geography and a specific specialty. So we narrow that to a very minimally viable use case to demonstrate the technology and the value of it. And then we try to start building on top of that. And so we, um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I I like to think that my history in those two previous startups I was part of, they, they all dealt with the same issue is how do you use technology to build trust and to create and to implement it in a way that creates value on both sides of the table and does the right thing for the, the consumer. And so those are, um, those are, those are real challenges and there's regulatory hurdles and things like that as well. But, um, but we have selected use cases that fit that profile. And those use cases, if you look at it, it's payments, record, master data management, IoT. It's the foundational products that over time create this larger structure upon which we can create um, these new marketplaces in the more disruptive um, applications in three to five years. So we've been very strategic in how we kind of uh, introduce blockchain to healthcare and and stand up things that ha- and they have to show that value on their own and over time then become the structure upon which we can build the really interesting stuff in a few years. And so, um, look, we're, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to change the world in the short term. Um, blockchain is not the answer to all of our problems, but it is a fundamental piece upon which we can start to address some of those issues. And that's where also the consumer comes into play. So earlier in the show, you were asking me about the consumer And I think in order to really change this relationship between commerce and care that's kind of broken today, um, we have to get the consumer involved. And and so that's the ultimate place to get to, right? But you can't jump right to that. And so I think, you know, our plan is to drive value in the next few years um, with these corporates, um, get them involved and help them see how this technology is going to change some of the fundamental connective tissue and, um, and then go from there. Yeah. And I, um, there's a lot of things I agree with you that it's hard to change. One of those is I don't care how good their blockchain is. I assure you, I'm still not going to like my dentist, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's not going to start. Um, so, you know, the other thing that's really, really interesting about, uh, you know, y'all, especially at hashed health, we were, as we were researching you, um, 
your development services and this development studio, uh, you know, we're very curious where that's focused and what you're trying to do. And, you know, how do you compare and contrast that to, you know, things that people like IBM are trying to offer where it's literally just like, hey, we've got a blockchain as a service. Come on in and block it up. Like, you know, what's the real story there and how are you offering something a little bit more unique? Yeah, so I think, you know, right now we are learning a lot about the different technical offerings that are out there. Um, so, you know, honestly, right now we're spreading our tech um, out and we're trying to make sure. So we, we consider ourselves technology agnostic right now. So what we do is we look at a business problem and then we say, OK, is this appropriate for the blockchain? And if so, which protocol level technology should it be based on? So, for example, before Enterprise Ethereum, which is still not ready, uh, I think January is when Ethereum will be, um, Enterprise Ethereum will be kind of stood up for the first time. Ethereum is not perfect for a private enterprise blockchain. It's, you know, that's why we chose Hyperledger Fabric for our, our initial provider data management demo. Um, and, um, and so, and our, IOT, our IOT solution is built off of a, a different blockchain, but it is a fork of Ethereum because it doesn't have the same, um, challenges or, or concerns from a technical perspective that the provider data management solution had. So we, we try to take the business problem, make sure it's appropriate for blockchain in general or distributed ledger, and then select the right configuration, the protocol level um, product underneath. And we're spreading that out. So different use cases will be based, be based off of different um, protocols. And then we mostly right now are contracting with or partnering with different technology shops or sometimes our um, consortium members who are part of those work groups have a group of engineers who um, are familiar with that technology so they can apply some resources. So we, we take our kind of resourcing from a technical perspective as well as product management and everything else at a work group by work group um, from work group by work group perspective. Um, and so that allows us to scale better because, you know, hash, these are such big problems. Hash can't do this stuff on our own. And so our, our, um, approach is to, is to do a lot of partnerships and form a lot of, um, relationships with folks, uh, like you guys and, and, um, you know, and, and, and others who can help us scale up our teams and apply the right technical resources to the right problems. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I wanted to clear up that I've been reading a lot about um, is Ethereum, right? You brought it up a handful of times, and I've seen it compared to Bitcoin. And from the research that I did uh, last night, it doesn't look like it is at all a, a um, uh, I guess, a, a cryptocurrency. It is something completely different. Yeah, so Ethereum... Um, Ether is, uh, you, you know, it's uh, it's not like Bitcoin where you can, like in Nashville, we have Bitcoin ATMs and you've got a, um, there's restaurants and other establishments that accept Bitcoin as a currency um, for uh, your meal or for a product. You know, there's a Microsoft and a bunch of different, I think Dell and a bunch of other 
um, websites, Newegg and others, you can use Bitcoin to buy product. Um, but um, you can't do that with Ethereum. Ether is really um, designed to power the uh, Ethereum blockchain. It's the gas that powers the blockchain. And so, it, um, it, you know, the, the, the nodes on the network, the miners are um, rewarded with Ether. And, um, you know, and then there's a lot of people who are investing in, in, in Ether as well. It's been a, it's been a remarkable um, uh, investment. Um, but um, it, it does not have, you know, their goal is not to have a merchant community that's uh, accepting Ether as a form of payment for products and services. So in, in that way, it's, it's very different. Yeah, it sounded like it was... Um... If I remember correctly, it was like four developers or something. Like basically, if you do good work, um, right. they'll give you some ether, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> which right. reminds me of a, of a movie too. I thought there was something like that with with they were trading ether. Or, I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but it, it's had a remarkable run. So um, for those developers and for others who've invested in it, it's uh, it's done it's done quite well over the last uh, the last year. That's Pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we could have an entire uh, entire cast trying to figure out um, how to get people to work for fake, uh, you know, fake uh, internet points. Oh wait, <laughs> that's what Reddit is, <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, is so as you know, as somebody who is uh, intellectually curious about trying to understand blockchain and understand the history of it and understand where it's going and things like that. You know, we've really tried to ask you a bunch of questions that pointed, um, you know, pointed out those things and really kind of expose the topic uh, and, you know, help people continue to further their education and things like that. Um, did we, did we not ask something, you know, did, uh, did Brent forget to ask you something that would help clear this up for people? Do you have a, a common misconception you like to teach people? Um, no, I think I think you guys covered it. I mean, uh, you know that that idea of like why is it different than a traditional database? I think is one thing that's like pretty important, and we covered it in, in I think a roundabout sort of way. But you know, the, the way I like to think about it is that opportunity of creating a, a shared data layer that sits on top of a market. And if you if you have that, if you have that shared data layer that's immutable that's trusted, the really neat things that will start to happen is when you start writing code on top of that shared data layer to automate workflows or automate settlement of, uh, of funds. Um, um, those are the types of things that will really start to create, you know, these new markets that people are so excited about. And in healthcare, you know, it's those types of things that will start to really, I think, empower patients and um, allow us to reconstruct that commerce care relationship that is is really kind of broken today. So, um, you know, I, that's kind of maybe my my takeaway message, and that, that's why I personally felt, you know, once I understood the potential for the tech. I just had to do something about it, and um, it's very early, and it um, it could very well be be too early. Um, a lot of times, the first one to do something, you know, it, it doesn't turn out great for that guy. But 
but once you dive into it and really understand it, it has such amazing potential for patients and for consumers and for fixing what I think is a really kind of broken system, um, not only in the U.S., but globally. Um, and, and I just, I'm having the most fun I've ever had in my career. Um, I'm getting to be a part of really cool conversations like this one. And uh, I just, I, I just am, I really encourage, you know, go out and read, you know, hide in, hide in your room for a weekend and just absorb this information. And once it starts to click with you, it's hard to, it's hard to go back. Um, it's a really exciting space and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to talk about it with you guys. Yeah, that's awesome. And you, I mean, you keep like piquing my interest and I keep going off in like weird places in my brain. So I'm going to try something that's a little bit, uh, out there. It's maybe not visually uh, practical, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of, we see these things today in the, in the common enterprise, right? You're talking about replacing databases with things that are, uh, you know, a little bit more useful for these type things. But right now we end up with kind of like database sprawl. And then you end up with things like enterprise service buses that connect between all the databases and help them communicate. Are we going to end up with like blockchain sprawl and blockchain service buses and things like that? Yeah. Um, is that what the architecture is going to look like in the future or is it something completely different? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously no one's going to throw away their existing databases right now. So what you're looking at is these fringe use cases that have APIs in and out of the traditional data databases. And, and that's, you know, that's a, that can be a challenge and, you know, but that's how the next few years will, we're going to, that's what we're going to roll with. Um, and once we prove that and prove the value and create an understanding um, in the marketplace about what the technology can and can't do and where the regulations go and the, the surrounding kind of issues and, you know, governance and all the, all these kind of, uh, things that exist that we got to figure out as well. Um, but once all that becomes more clear, then I think you'll see in five to 10 years more kind of ground up work um, around distributed ledger and blockchain technologies and um, the opportunity to kind of rewrite the, the fundamental kind of database structures that exist today. Um, so you'll see a, kind of an evolution there, and but you'll also see a lot of different, as I mentioned, there's like 70 different blockchain platforms that are available now. Um, what's become pretty clear is that there will be kind of this chain of chains concept that will come together. So chain interoperability will become a big deal. And the good news is that most of these blockchains out there are either open source or going open source. And so there's open source code with good public documentation, which is encouraging from an interoperability standpoint. And so allowing kind of this chain of chains to come together um, over time and allowing kind of these different tokens to be interoperable, um, that, that, that work has begun. And, um, and I believe that that's the kind of environment that you'll see in, in five years. Sounds like a lot of fun opportunities. I mean, it sounds like you could even get literally just get into a job where it's just about making all the blockchains get along. And there's, you know, uh, also, I mean, certainly even designing designing infrastructures or being able to have shared infrastructures around blockchains and, you know, things like hosted blockchains. And uh, it sounds like, I mean, there's a lot of fun. I mean, it, there really is a lot of things, layers to peel on the onion. So 
Uh, you know, John, we appreciate you joining us today. You really, you know, imparted us with a ton of cool insights. Um, you know, is there, when, as, as far as like people continue to educate themselves, are there places where you're speaking uh, and doing events where somebody could show up and meet you and, you know, hear some more? Um, you know, what, what's going on for you in the next couple of months? Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a conference called Consensus um, up in New York. Um, that's a big blockchain conference. It's not specific to healthcare, but it's one of the larger, more established um, blockchain conferences out there with a lot of good speakers and on a, on a lot of different topics. Um, so Consensus is, is a great um, a great conference to go to. And then in September, there is a healthcare blockchain conference in Nashville. Um, that's a, a fabulous conference. There's a hackathon, a two-day hackathon on um, Friday, Saturday, I'm sorry, on Saturday, Sunday, I think the 23rd and 24th of September. And then on Monday, um, if I have my dates correct, that's uh, Monday and Tuesday will be the Distributed Health Business Conference. On Monday, we're putting on a, a code camp where we'll be teaching on um, Several different technologies, including Ethereum, smart contracts, Hyperledger Fabric, and Hyperledger Sawtooth Lake. Um, and then on Wednesday of that week, Hashed Health is hosting um, a, um, a forum on uh, medical records and global health that's about to be announced. So there's, there's a ton of, you know, that's going to be, it's like, and it will be a very much an international audience. I mean, the blockchain space is kind of a global stage. Um, a lot of the interesting uh, advances are coming from Asia and, and Europe and kind of all over the world. And so um, this will be a, a big, neat kind of international blockchain healthcare week in Nashville in September that um, anyone interested in kind of the healthcare side of this um, or life sciences related projects, those types of things would definitely get a lot out of that conference as well. So those are, those are the two, one is this summer and one is this fall. Those are probably the two that I, w- I would recommend. That's awesome. And, you know, as, as you know, this podcast is immutable, uh, and, you know, we, <laughs> we, we like to get knowledge out there, you know, and it, this is not, this doesn't have to be tech focused, blo- you know, uh, blockchain focused, but it could be. Uh, you know, favorite book like right now, or even, I mean, frankly, favorite YouTube channel, you know, that you like to yeah. watch, uh, you know, we like to just hear a little bit about you and pass on some fun things that people like to learn from. Well, <laughs> my, my life as depressing as it sounds you know, is, is blockchain and distributed ledger right now. So I can't think of much that I do outside of that. Um, it is, it is a, because I want it to, it is absorbing, um, pretty much everything, but you know, there's a book, you know, there's a guy named Andreas Antonopoulos who has written um, a lot about the the Bitcoin blockchain and not only kind of how to understand it, and but has a lot of good information about where that is going and how they're solving some of those scalability issues that we talked about. He wrote a book called Mastering Bitcoin um, that's a few years old now, but it was the fundamental book that I read that helped me understand the technology and um, opened my mind to kind of how it works and basically drove the confidence in me to you know, launch the company. Um, and it, it, it is a fundamental way to understand um, uh, the, the tech. It's a fairly technical book, 
Um, and so I think a lot of your audience would, would, you know, if you're interested, that's a, that's a good one, a good one to go out and pick up. Um, there's also a lot of, a lot of great podcasts out there. Um, both. Oh yeah, there are. I know some. (laughs) Yours is, yours is one of my favorite, but, um, you know, I I really like A16Z has, has been, uh, has been a, a good podcast. They do a lot of, um, blockchain related stuff and also, you know, a lot on machine learning and, uh, you know, store, there's just a lot of good information. I, I, I pretty religiously listen to that. Um, and, uh, we're about to, you know, part of our goal in, in, uh, at hash is to educate and organize the marketplace. And so we're starting a podcast series ourselves. Um, hopefully it'll be as, as good as, as, uh, yours and these other ones. Um, uh, so the, our first podcasts will be released, uh, here. Our first one will be released here in a few weeks. Um, so anyway, those are, those are a few resources. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you, you do have a lot to live up to and how uh, fantastic this podcast is, but I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you could do it. And we're happy to impart any knowledge, uh, on how to get, uh, basically, you know, the listeners we have like Brent's wife, uh, to really stay, <laughs> to really stay tuned throughout the years. So, uh, you know, with that being said, and, uh, you know, all jokes aside, we, we love our audience. We get uh, fantastic guests, subjects, and all these kind of things from our audience. So please continue to be social uh, any way that you feel necessary. Just, you know, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for continuing to push us to get great guests on, uh, you know, like John. So uh, on behalf of the Hot Al again, I'm Brian Carpenter with me. Right, Piatti. And uh, John, thank you so much for joining us today and teaching us all you could about blockchain. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the time.